Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Wesley Snipes. Oh, man. And I'm Alan Payne, apparently. Woo! Look at me go. Am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Wow. 1991. We I think we talked at one point about covering this last year because yeah, of the 20th totally. anniversary. And by the way, we are on the... We are... Almost at its 22nd anniversary, it premiered in theaters March 8th. But prior to that, it was a at a film festival, I think Syracuse Film, film Festival back in January of 91. Mario Van Peebles, 1991, New Jack City. Just, yeah, man. Dude, this movie was a time, came in a time when, when Hollywood was just trying to bang out all these urban movies. This is the first, right? I mean, is this the big, is this the one that broke them all? I am. What was Boys in the Hood? Ninety two. I feel like this came out before, but this is like the beginning, man. This is like that whole like you know, this sort of renaissance. Boys in the Hood was ninety one, also. Yeah, but I think it came out later. Like I feel like it came out in the summer. Yeah, it did. It did. I feel like this kicked it off. This is the movie that kicked that whole you know sort of. I mean, you know, obviously Spike's movies, but I mean, right? Yeah, you know, this this uh, and also I would say like this was the beginning of a sort of. The Renaissance period of Mario Van Peebles. <laughs> yeah, you know, right? We we've already talked. Shit, do we talk on the show or do we just talk before we record? I, I can't remember, but we we were gonna do a whole, and we still may do it. <laughs> He's done enough movies, and we both have a fondness for Solo and Posse, and we're. I mean, there's we could cover, we could do a whole month. Oh, we could do a Van Peebles month. Could, yeah, do, we certainly could do a little bit of Melvin and a little bit of Mario. Panther was another one we both were pretty yeah. fond of. So gunmen, but it's funny. It's like, this is the one that that blew up and not only did it have a great soundtrack, it had a lot of musicians in it too. Not just Ice-T, but you had, oh, yeah, you had, who else? <laughs> he sweat <laughs> making his appearance, playing himself at, at, at singing at a, a Flavor a re- Flav. Wedding reception, Flavor Flav's in there. Nick Ashford from Ashford and Simpson. Yes. Playing uh, the, the pastor. Reverend, Oates. Reverend, Reverend, yes. What are you doing in there, Reverend? <laughs> and uh, who else is in it? Um, oh, is this like Chris Rock's second thing, right? If you don't count, I'm going to get you suckers a little bit in that, right? Right. But this was the breakout role for him. Ice T, same thing. This is the this is the first feature role because later in the year he'll put it, he'll do a ricochet with that guy Denzel. <laughs> What's his name again? Yeah, Denzel, the one that's won the Oscar. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Dude, there's so many people in this movie. Yeah. Teddy Riley shows up. Keith Sweat. Yeah, yeah. Not just not just Teddy Riley, but Guy as a group. They're, they yeah, perform. man. It's they're, they're, that's the thing. It, this movie is part Scarface, part music video, part Yo MTV raps, which I guess kind of fits in the music video category. But but you got you. you but it feels like a lot of times we're being they're hosting a show. It doesn't always feel like a movie. And then there's times where it feels like an ABC after school special. Well, there's also times where it feels like a Kangol commercial. Like, yes. <laughs> there's a shot early in when they, uh, the first time we see Nino Brown and the boys roll into the club, they see Flavor Flav and Ice T's undercover. And like, you know, there's a, there's a big establishing shot. And I swear, man, I was distracted. There's like six Kangol logos in the frame. Yeah. And I was like, and it made me laugh. And I think I texted you, but uh, man, but I still, I love this movie, man. Like yeah. that, that opening sequence, the, the, you know, the, the camera work is so great. Yeah. You know who else is, I've totally forgot was in this film is uh, Vanessa Williams, Dude, I'm not, just gonna say the same the singer, thing. Not I, the singer, but the uh, Vanessa yes. Williams, uh, the uh, who was also, uh, I think she was in the first season of uh, Melrose Place. The first season of Melrose Place. The yeah. year after this, she did the first Candyman, original Candyman. She came yeah, back man. last year with the remake. Yeah, she's awesome. I and it was like, 
I know her so well in the movie. And I'm like, wait a second. I never, but I never connected that it was her. Even though I've seen this movie, we talked about this dozens of times. <laughs> and even, yeah, and, totally. But she looks so different. They really got her properly in wardrobe, proper hair where she doesn't look. Yeah. yeah she's, I didn't. She's unrecognizable yes. as, 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 you know, cause she was kind of the cute, nice girl on Melrose place. If I remember correctly. Yeah. And she's, she's kind of an enforcer in this. <laughs> yeah, man, dude, she's badass in this. She's still like the whole, like the whole, they're all badass. Yeah. And dude, Bill Nunn. I fucking love Bill Nunn. Bill Nunn's great. I totally forgot. You know, it's funny, man. I forgot that Bill Nunn was in the movie. Yeah. Like that over to And then he's, I'm like, oh shit, right. Bill Nunn's in this movie. Um, Seen it a million times, but then I hadn't seen it in 10 years or more, probably. Probably at the same for me, too. I, I love Bill's um, high-powered shit line when they're driving the Jeep. <laughs> oh yeah. so, I love that, dude. The setup is so good, too. Starting in 86 when crack was starting to hit. And basically, this is the beginning of Cash Money Brothers, where they're just like, they're going, to, as far as them exploding past just working the corners. I, I tell you, man, I love the way... Mario like puts the stamp on stuff. I, you and I know just by music what year it is, but you know, but they do put that up for the people that are unfamiliar with the music. So when you see the 86 and then you jump to that point, still in 1986, right? Where this is 89, um, where is 89 uh -huh. when they do the club thing? I think it's, I think it's, at, yeah, it's after 86. It's, it's 89. Yeah, it's right before yeah. the movie. It, it's right before the, uh, the movie kicks into present day, 91 or 90, The Kango sequence you're talking about is great. And it's so good because it's slow-mo. Everybody's walking through. They're playing uh, Dougie Fresh and Slick Rick's The Show. And it's just slow-mo. Five, five, Freddy's up there like host, you know, and he's emceeing this, this club party. And it was, Fucking, I, I just, it's so good and it works every time because that slow-mo and that, and then they make the eye contact, the two of them, you know, Wesley yep. and Ice-T. I'm like, dude, it's so good. I mean, it's, it worked. That's what, boy, there's a most, a, a most effective moment. That's that one. The sections of this where you, you first get introduced to CMB and then they cut to a deal going down with Ice-T, who we don't even know is an undercover cop at this point. And he's there with Chris Rock trying to make a deal. Chris Rock's not there to make a deal. He's just there to... Just there to rip him off. He's just there to rip him off. He's a stick-up kid, man. Yep. And what starts off as a, uh, you know, an attempted robbery <laughs> ends up in a great chase. And do seriously, and I always think this every time I see the movie, I want to know who those stunt players or player or players was on that bike. Right. When Chris Rock's character hops on and he's, while Ice T's on foot. That stairwell thing, the stair, fuck. Every time I see it, it's not the, and it's not the subway thing. I always thought that was cheesy, but it was like going to, like, you and I have done our fair share of been on our 20 inch BMX bikes tooling around. It stairs, <laughs> stairs are our enemy, man. Hey, dude, stairs are not your friend. No. no. And I mentioned this last night too. I love the way that sequence ends, dude, where <laughs> he just puts a bullet right in Chris Rock's ankle right in a playground. I mean, granted, Chris Rock turned around and took a shot at him, but dude, there's kids everywhere. Yeah, man. But it tells you how much, what you need to know um, about Ice-T's character in this. Scotty Appleton. Yeah. And Scotty ends up like, because of this, he ends up getting, putting on probation. <laughs> shot him. Right, shot you can't butt. just shoot, you can't just serve fire and open on a playground. <laughs> right. Apparently not even in 1989 New York. No, it's, it's, it doesn't go over well, man. It really I knew doesn't. I saw that motherfucker. <laughs> 
if there was one uncomfortable thing in the whole movie, and I and I still too to this day, and it seems it happens, it always bothered me. Is Chris Williams just happened to be there? I fucking hate that. If there's one, if there was one thing I just that always bothers me about it is that he was there when Ice T made that arrest, and then he happens to remember him three years later. I mean, I don't fucking buy it, you know. Uh, you know, like, man, it's, you, you're, it's set up, you're, you're, if you're, you know, they, and they sort of, they throw that reminder to you a few times. There's like those flashes and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's a little clunky and inconvenient. Yeah. It feels like maybe there was more to it or maybe there was less to it, but you know, some audiences are like, well, how do they know? So they just, right. I don't know, man. It, it seems like it's either tacked on or they hacked part of it out. You know, dude, my, one of my, my, my favorite this is, is going to sound bizarre, but my favorite person in this movie is Bill Cobbs. Well, why wouldn't you love him? And I, this is another thing. This is, this is that, that influence that Mario's dad has, you know, cause Mario's grown up being the son of Melvin Van people. So he's always been part of, of that community as far as black filmmakers goes. And his dad, I mean, Melvin was fucking groundbreaking. Some of his scripts are just, they pushed envelopes and they made a lot of people uncomfortable because there's some real truth in what he did. And, and Mario, not so much this movie, but other movies that yes, definitely. But it's because of that is how you get Bill Cobbs in a movie like this in, in fuck. What is he? He shows up like three times, right? Yep. Yeah. You get well, the, you, he's got three, he's got three really kind of important scenes. Yeah. He's and got and the, you see him a couple of other times. Right. Right. When Ice T like controls him and then later on when they're arresting Nino and then. You uh, see him early on in the police station. No, that's trying right. to file a complaint. Yeah. So that's, so that's the fourth one. That's yeah. your introduction to him, at the, yeah. you know, early on when we, when we meet stone, right. Lieutenant stone. <laughs> and I want to say this, man, look, man, there's a lot of pretty motherfuckers in this movie. Wesley Dude. Snipes, but ain't nobody as pretty as Mario Van Peebles. No, none of them. No. Fucking Alan Payne. No. Fucking Christopher Williams. Who they even call you pretty motherfucker. Ain't none of those guys as pretty as Mario Van Peebles. No. <laughs> He looks like a fucking model. He looks like an <laughs> ebony fucking cover model. I it's uh, I love dude. I love Van Peebles, and I'm not going to apologize. But like w- when he comes on when he comes on screen, it's like you know, it's like he, I mean, I feel like he's even lit better than everybody else. He is. <laughs> don't fuck this up, guys. He has a natural glow. We don't light him at all. <laughs> yeah, well, he's Mario Van Peebles. Fuck, dude. Come on. I mean, he's the only good. He saves Jaws the Revenge. Almost. <laughs> almost. He almost has the same hair too. Yeah. Well, he's Sonny Spoon, dude. I loved Sonny Spoon, man, when it was on. Dude. Me and my dad used to watch that shit all the time. My dad was like, Sonny Spoon's coming on. Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Michael Michelle playing Nino's girlfriend. She's, yeah, man. She's great in it. Oh, Russell Wong, right? Yeah. Dude, that's, that, I think this might be the first time I ever saw Russell Wong in anything. I was super bummed he wasn't anymore. I, like, you, you look back and like, man, he really should have a bigger part in this. It seems like he did, like, right, when you're remembering it, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, then you watch it and like, oh, man, it's it's funny because Van Peebles is not in it as much as I remembered either. Right. I want to say the majority, the lion's share is uh, is uh, Nino and uh, G-Money, man. Yeah. We're, we're getting most of the story about them. And that's where the movie is it's, it's at its best, Dude. where it breaks down into the, uh, the after school vibe you were talking about right. is every time that they sort of cut back and forth to the you know, Pookie, Scotty Appleton, uh, every time they cut back and forth into that stuff, it gets a little, uh, you know, 
like the montage of the, the, you know, the getting sober montage, all that gets a little, but this, to me, the story is best when it's concentrating on what's going on with, uh, with Nino and G yeah. Nino and company. Yeah. If anybody wants to tell, wants to have an argument with me that Wesley Snipes doesn't have chops and fucking the scene at the end. Right. Yes. Fuck. I, my eyes well up every time I happens. I, I always forget how emotional he gets when he has to do what he has to do. Look, man, I don't know who, who, who doesn't like Wesley Snipes. I mean, it's funny. I don't know who, who says he doesn't have chops. That's what I always no, like. No, no, I've always heard. No, he but I'm just saying who, well, how can you say that? I mean, I like this no, movie, I I mean, you know, I'm going to even say it in Wildcats, dude. I like, <laughs> I was like, I, you know, the first time I ever became aware of Wesley Snipes, I was like, I love this dude. There's a body of, do you ever see Harlem? Or yeah. uh, I think, yeah, I mean, dude, I love, I mean, I, I like Wesley, man, when he's doing like this kind of vibe, you know, not so much, even when, even his action films, but that's like a different Wesley Snipes, you know, like the, when he, once he became the action star, but like this, there, dude, there, anybody who says he can't act isn't familiar with his body of work. Right. And I think for some people when, and, and what's, what's, here's the thing about it, his performance in this, that's why that moment with him and, and G on top of the roof is so is so effective because you've seen him be this guy the whole movie and say, not until Ice-T comes into play and he's undercover with them where he says, it's, you know, it's, it's always business. It's never personal until it has to be personal. And it's right. like, and he's torn because ultimately he lives by the code, even when it comes to his best, his best friend, his childhood friend, the guy he's been through everything with. Right. I'll do that scene, man. Fuck. He- you know what they do really well in this movie and they set up, they set up what a bastard snipes is without ever showing it. And it's, it's the moment when uh, Scotty and um, Peretti, uh, they rouse those kids and they're like, fuck you, man. He's sponsored our bed. And then they catch the one kid and he's like, yeah, the motherfuckers upstairs. He lit this kid on fire. Fuck that. You know, and the kid yeah. gives you, they, he gives you that information without ever having to show. I mean, we've, we've seen him do bad shit, but we've not seen him do anything that fucking horrible. And it, it kind of really sort of, it's, it's, it's the best moment of setting up who Nino Brown is without Nino Brown doing a thing. Right. 100%. You know, I mean that, that there's a, also that great scene. I just want to throw it out there before I forget about it. There's a, there's a scene that almost mimics the baseball bat scene in uh, untouchables, right? Where oh, yeah. uh, after the, after the, they have to shut down the project after Pookie goes crazy and yeah. um, you know, they had to burn the fucking place down. Right. And uh, Snipes is doing his uh, De Niro bit with that fucking sword. I mean, yeah. there, there are some really great, you know, what I like about it is they took stuff and they, but they made it their own. Like they're, they're standalone iconic moments on their own. Right. You know, instead of just being like a straight up kind of like, oh, we nipped this, we took that, you know, the, the moments all work, even though we kind of know where some of these moments have come from. We've seen them in other things. When I'm watching it, I'm not hating on it. I'm not going, oh, this is from the untouchables. I'm just like totally into, you know, what's going on. Because I totally forgot. I was like, fuck, what, you know, when he stabs him in the hand, you pretty motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was like, oh, fuck, I totally forgot about that. You know, it's just, uh, and Snipes is so great in that scene. Right. And which makes the climax in the courtroom all the better. Right. He's always had it out for him, even from the beginning, (laughs) ever since he showed up. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It was so good. I, I have to think that in that last shot where Bill Cobb shows up at the end of the movie, 
it's, I mean, that's, that was kind of, I kind of think that's Mario's homage to the ending of the untouchables. Right. I mean, it just, it feels yeah, like it take, feels very much like that. Yeah. I was also going to say very much. It's, it's also very much like sort of a, a JFK fucking uh, yeah. Jack Ruby yeah. shooting Oswald kind of moment. Yeah. Uh, it, just sort of the way it's staged in the stairwell and, it, that's the weirdly the kind of thing that popped into my head. I was like, Oh fuck. <laughs> Cause I remember, I mean, I knew it was coming and, but I'd never actually thought about it like that before. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think it's, it's, it's untouchables for sure. Right. Because I don't, I don't think that JFK was out at this point. Like I don't, I don't, and I don't think it's a touchstone reference for that, for this movie. But no. for me, I was like, you know, I immediately think anytime somebody's coming out of a courtroom or a police station <laughs> yeah. and they get shot like that, I literally flash to the whole fucking Jack Ruby thing. Right. And it's easy to do that too. But uh, that scene is so powerful, man. Like Cobbs, you know, you do, you, and you know, and Nino Brown, I mean, he's so smug and he's given that speech and then you knew something was going to happen. And it's actually a credit to the storytelling that like, the first time I saw it, I totally forgot about Cobbs. Like after he got fucking, you know, after Ice-T had to wrestle him out of the room. And right. so when it happened, the first time I saw it, I was like, holy shit. You know, you think that Nino Brown's going to get away with that shit. But you know, no, fuck no, he's not. And by the way, they did a lot with $8 million. Yeah. Dude, shooting in New York is not shooting, easy. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, well, three quarters of the budget's right there. That's why there's a lot of people in there that, that you're at the time we're familiar with and they, everybody was working, you know, on, you know, we're working for a lot of money. You have to figure, especially obviously top billing, you know, Wesley's probably getting what at that point. Well, I don't know the Wesley. I mean, this was the movie that kind of fucking threw Wesley into the next fucking. Uh, yeah. No, no, no I, 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 mean, I don't think he was, I think he's probably getting scale in this man. Maybe. I'm going to say they were all, I'm going to say all of them were probably working for scale at this point still. Well, I mean, Yeah. What Wes, what what had, what had Wesley done before this that would be considered a big? Well, know, I, I think mean, I think Major White League probably would have jump? gotten him out of out of scale uh, territory. I don't know about that, man. Maybe I mean maybe if he worked scale on this, he did it because he did it as a favor. Well, probably I would say probably this is a like you know I feel like you got a, you got this cash. You're in New York City. You're making this movie, <laughs> and they probably started shooting this movie right after Major League. I mean Major League, yeah. I mean King of New York was the year before this, right. you know, and I'm sure he probably, you know, but I mean, he wasn't a household name until he was Nino Brown. This is the movie that oh, no. like fucking shot him that. into this stratosphere, of, you know, with bigger paychecks and, yeah. uh, you know, bigger roles and leading roles and, you know, and having his name above the titles kind of deal. And it made a chunk of change too. Did it? it made just under 48 million domestically. And that would help. I mean, people were going to the word of mouth was helping the movie out, but it was also that soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. Color Me Bad's <laughs> track. You know, it, I, and by the way, it wasn't until Color Me Bad was on SNL performing where it hit me and Mike, I can't believe that. I don't think that was the name of the group before they got the song on the soundtrack. And the reason why I say that is because they have the same initials as Cash Money Brothers. Maybe. I, th I think I think it was intentional. Like they, did, they came up with the name just because it had the same initials. CMB. CMB. It's not as fun when you're when you say CMB and you're talking about coloring me back. <laughs> it's not no, as it's cool. Not, not at all. Not even no, it's not cool at all. You know, I don't think I'd ever heard the term new jack anything, you know. Yeah. And then it's sort of, you know, new like new it was a whole music style. I mean, it all, you know, but it all for me, it all came from 
you know, my first, my introduction to New Jack City, because I was 20, 21 when this movie came out, yeah. you know, and I'd already see, you know, they're, they're, and I'd seen, you know, Crush Groove, Beat Street, King of New York. I mean, I, you know, I was well-versed in, you know, this sort of culture of what was going on in New York. But like I said, this movie is the movie that like cracked it open, man. And like, you know, opened that floodgate and, and made Mario Van, gave Mario Van Peebles, I mean, you know, kind of carte blanche, you know, yeah. for his next couple of projects. Cause I don't think that, you know, without the success of this movie, I don't know that, you know, they're going to let him make posse or, and I love posse. Dude. <laughs> yeah. I, there are people who, I mean, it's a movie that people either love or they haven't seen. <laughs> and they're like, you're kidding me. Right. I'm like, no man, posse is fun. And Panther, but this movie, which, you know, was probably considered a low budget film. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it was $8 million and this is the, point when, you know, they're making $90 million Schwarzenegger action movies right. and Demolition Man. Right. I mean, you know, I think, cause I feel like this is probably the movie that got Wesley Demolition Man, right? Like this is, you know, that this was the thing that was like star power. Like, you know, he bumped from this into, into that league. Yeah, I think so. Posse, um, Mario did the same thing that he did with this. He kind of surrounded character actors with musicians. Big Daddy Kane is in this and there's some others people. Tone, Tone Loke is in it. Yeah. So he did mm -hmm. the same kind of thing. Uh, I do. I love Tiny Lister in this movie, dude, and Posse, dude. I was like, if there was one person that I feel like <laughs> would have been cool to be part of CMB would have been having Tiny. Well, you got Bill Nunn, man. I mean, you know, the yeah. only role that Tiny Lister could have played would have been the, the Bill, Bill Nunn's Nunn part. Role. Yeah. yeah. I don't think he could have pulled off the stuttering very well. He's not his cup no. of tea. No, I agree though, man. This was definitely the platform the, or the diving board anyway for Mario's continued um, work behind the chair, not just with features, but, you know, television as well. But yeah, he, dude, this, this movie, for people don't understand that when this movie came out, what a phenomenon it was. It wasn't just. No. Um, it, was, it was the soundtrack. They were all over MTV because of the music video for Color Me Bad. But I mean, it has, it was so influential on the community that the Carter ended up becoming the name of a few albums. I think there was Lil Wayne's album, the Carter. Yeah. I mean, it's a touchstone for sure. And you know, what's weird, man. I didn't really realize it. It's three years after colors, which right. is, seems bizarre because in my mind, like when I think back on that time period, I felt like these two movies kind of came out around the same time and were competing, but this is three years after colors, right. which is mind blowing to me. When I, when I, when I looked it up, I was like, oh, fuck 88 to, 91. So there was, there were, there was a full 36 months of things that happened between, <laughs> uh, you know, colors and new Jack city. And in my mind, they're like, you know, and I think maybe it's because of the ice tea connection or, or whatever it is. It's just, um, and, and they, they couldn't be, and those movies couldn't be more different. They're, they're definitely not. I mean, I don't know that I would, I would, I would say I wouldn't put them like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's apples to oranges with, they're totally different movies, right. colors to new right. Jack city. Right. Um, you know, new Jack city has more in common with the Godfather than it does with, uh, colors. I, I, I think. Oh yeah. I think so too. I mean, it's not just the, the crime drama thing, but I agree with you. It's like, it's, it's more in line with that. There's a lot of Shakespearean yeah. shit going down in this man. And, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it's a fun movie. Like uh, really like that when, that when those opening titles started, you know, that opening shot uh, over flying over New York, you know, and the soundtrack's pumping. I was like, I was so, I was totally into, I, I turned it up to like 25 and I was like <laughs> enjoying reliving my, uh, 
my twenties for a couple hours. Um, but man, <laughs> snipes, they all look so young, man. It's crazy. Like ice T who I, you know, uh, was probably, what was ice T at that point? He was probably 32, 33. Yeah. Something like that. Know, right. Like, uh, Born in 56, 57, I would guess. Yeah. I mean, today's his birthday, right? Today is Ice T's birthday. Is not Ice T's birthday? Is Isn't it, it Ice T's birthday today? today? How old yeah. is Ice T? We should know this, man. Come we, on. We should know it's like we're like we're covering a movie that he's in. <laughs> he's 63 he's 64 today. today? Six, 64 today. 64. 64, dude. Come on, Wikipedia, update your shit. It's, a 63 it's 2022. Story. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, he's still still sixty three on Wikipedia. <laughs> Even last night, I was like going. I I just want kept seeing sixty three last night. I'm like going. I thought it would have changed. So in my head, it's, I keep thinking sixty three, sixty three. Oh man. Oh, there's another thing too. We're talking about music in this, right? It says we're talking about Ice Tealy back into the, the the music and the musicians in the movie. When you talk about that opening, it opens up with Troop and Queen Latifah doing a, a yeah a remix of Living for the City and for the Love of Money, which was so fucking good, right? And then it ends with a with a season change of seasons with Lavert standing around a trash can, a fireplace, singing the song a cappella. Like it's like, like you said, it's it's a culture for a lot of white America didn't wasn't aware of, and and to see certain shots like that, it was like whoa, it was jarring for a lot of people, but. Uh, to me, though, like I, I saw less of the social points they were trying to make, and more like, "Oh shit, that's Gerald Levert." <laughs> I was more, I was more digging on the remix thing that they ended up doing. Uh, three different changes that they do with the opening of the song, with with the aerials, and then them standing around singing at the end when it's now winter time and it's snowing and everything. Which again, more uh, imagery there for snow and cocaine and all that shit, but. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's also, it's also very, you know, it's also set up very much like, you know, it's, it's a Greek tragedy, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, and the sirens and the, you know, that it, it, there's just a lot of stuff going on, you know, that I didn't really understand or give credit to. I mean, I don't, I guess I didn't understand it when I was 20. Like I didn't, you know, I wasn't into all that fucking symbol. None of that shit mattered to me. I was just like fucking cool. I'm going to go see a movie, fucking music, you know, it, that's what, you know, and watching it now, it's like, it, it's a really well-crafted movie. Yeah. Um, it, you know, that, uh, it, it does stand the test of time. And I think the reason it stands the test of time for me is because like we talk about all the time, it captures the time it was made, yep. but it doesn't stick you there for the wrong reasons. Right. Right. You're not like, Oh God, look at that. Or look, at, <laughs> you know, I mean, all the things that I thought might bug me uh, when we talked about doing it, like, Oh, is it going to be, you know, none of it does like, dude, everything is as it should. The, the, the wardrobe, the, the way people are dressed in 1991, New York is amazing. Uh, I, I mean, it, there's nothing, thing about this movie that I don't like, you know, even this, even the after school, especially, you know, moments. Um, I mean, they, they are there and it's, it's, but it, it is what it is. You know, I, I bet you I could go back and if I, if I got nitpicky, I could go back and watch other movies and be like, eh, you know, it was kind of a thing like in this type of movie where, you know, cause I didn't want to glorify drugs without, you know, throwing a little water on it right. and I get it. Yeah, man, the, the weirdest performance in this movie and the weirdest piece of casting has to be Judd Nelson. I mean, I don't want to, I'm not, I'm not, I like Judd Nelson, but he is so <laughs> weirdly, it, it just seems like, I don't know if there's no chemistry. I don't know what it is. It, it just, the, the moments with him always have seemed weird to me right. and they still seem weird to me. <laughs> Even when you think about the, about him in the movie, 
um, he feels more out of place than some of these musicians that are in front of a camera for the first time. I, I don't know what it is about. There's a certain rawness, right? I mean, look, Christopher Williams, Christopher Williams doesn't have, isn't, isn't a very good actor, but he has some moments into that work. You know, I mean, Grant, he's just supposed to be the pretty boy like we joked about before, but, but Judd Nelson is an, he definitely is the odd duck. He is the, 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 he does this, he's the standout, but not in a good way. Right. We know he can act, but I don't know if he even wanted to be in this movie. It just feels like, I don't know. I know there's like, I think I'm, I said before we got on mic that I feel like sometimes they're shooting rehearsal <laughs> and, and I feel like anytime Judd Nelson is delivering a line, I feel like Mario just, you know, line read him. Right. And he, like, yeah. like he didn't have a script or didn't bother learning it. And he just kind of like, like the, like when he, the line, when he goes, Oh no, it's a black thing. That, that whole thing. And I was just like, dude, can you not <laughs> Sound like a total dick. I know you're supposed to be dick-ish in that moment. Right. But I don't know. I just feel like he just, I see other people in the movie making the effort and I just, and I, I see him do the complete opposite, you know? It's like John Bender grew up and became a cop. I was going to say, it's, it's the most <laughs> Bender moment of the entire movie is when he makes that crack and I'm like. Dude. Yeah, totally. I was waiting for him to say to Van Peebles, does uh, Barry Manilow know you raided his wardrobe? And <laughs> use his hairdresser. Yeah, whatever. I mean, uh, yeah, there's, and I like Judd Nelson, dude. It's, uh, in, you know, but in this movie, I mean, and he's fine. He's not in it that much, which is also strangely weird. Like we said earlier, I feel like really outside of uh, CMB, that storyline, you see a lot of ice. There's a lot of iced tea, obviously, um, because he's in all of the bits. We get him with the cops, we get him with Pookie. And then we have the, you know, the third act where he's infiltrated CMB and, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's in there driving a wedge between, uh, Nino and G. Um, but it's funny because I feel like anyway, where I grew up that the movie was promoted, <laughs> like <laughs> Jed Nelson was like, you know, like a big, like it was a big deal. And in a way he's credited in the opening credits too. Um, and Judd Nelson, I think, right. Like it's weird, but I don't, I mean, do, I guess what he, was he the biggest, was he the biggest yeah. star at that moment Yeah, <laughs> of the cast? Yeah. It's so crazy, right? It's, it was almost like he was a lot. He was like, he was a late ad and like it helped get the movie made. Like he reluctantly did it. Like he was doing a favor for somebody. I don't know. It, 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 there's there's moments where he feels like it's beneath him. Like I said, I I, I see Ice T in in only the second time he is a featured player in a movie, and actually less than it is in Ricochet that you'll see later in the year. You know, there's moments where Ice T is just like it's weird. Like I think we you and I texted and or we talked about I forget what it was about. It's it's crazy to imagine him when you watch that movie fast forward 15 years and become a staple on, on NBC procedurals with law and order. I mean, he's been on criminal intent. He's been on SVU and he fucking kills on those shows. He's so good. Yeah. And it's like, man, Scotty's come a long way, man. <laughs> he's, right. He's, I mean, you know, we, we talked before about him um, in trespass. He's one of those guys that that made the transition and it didn't take him long past this point in the ricochet before he really carved out his vibe. Because his vibe in this and his vibe in in Ricochet, even though they were all probably filmed like within 12, 15 months of each other, are totally different. It's like he, he really was like, I'm gonna focus on the craft and 
you know, a lot of people say his music suffered for it. But well, it's funny, man, because I was going to say, this is the same summer that I saw uh, body count at Lollapalooza 91. They were so, you bad. know, and it's so funny to, you know, to re- remember that version of Ice-T, you know, like when I, when I, here's the thing, when I think of Ice-T now, I think of him as an actor right. more so than, um, than a musician or, you know, an art, music, music artist. Yeah. And, it, and I, dude, I love Body Count, that first Body Count record. Right. And I have, I, st- I have the first two, I have Rhyme Pays <laughs> and uh, Power. I have them both on vinyl from back in the day. I bought them when they were new. I think I still maybe have the color soundtrack on vinyl too, because, you know, and I bought it strictly because of the Ice-T track. But when, what do you think when you think back of Ice-T now? Do you, when you think of Ice-T, if I said Ice-T, do you think of him as the actor or do you think of him as the rapper? Yeah. Or do you just think of him as both? I mean, to me, it's like he's sort of become an actor. Like, I feel like like that when I, my first instinct, when if somebody says Ice-T, I just start rattling off movies he's been in. Surviving the Game, yeah. uh, Ricochet, yeah. <laughs> New Jack City. That, that's how I feel too. I feel 100% that is... I find him to be an actor before a musical artist, even though when I was first starting to become a, a, a DJ myself, that his record dog in the wax and six in the morning flips, you know, one side of each other of a 12 inch single that came out in 85, 86, something like that. To me, that's like, that came out before his appearance in breaking and his appearance in uh, uh, rapping, by the way, rapping, Everybody with Mario Van Peebles. <laughs> yep. You got it. <laughs> it's a, uh, yeah, dude, 100%. I mean, it's not just because he's been doing it longer than he's, he's got more reps on, uh, uh, in front of the camera than he does in the studio. I think that's probably, and I think it's why he stands out more to me as an actor than a music artist. I mean, he's definitely a hyphenated performer because he's still, I mean, he still does stuff in the studio, but not to the level that he does um, in front of the camera. Right. But no, he's like, yeah, dude, he's, he's done some fucking really solid performances and some really good movies. But I mean, who, again, who, I would have never imagined 30 years ago, the dude carving out uh, a, a, an acting career and basically just enjoying himself. It's like, it's like, you can tell he, I mean, let's, let's not fuck around here, dude. SVU is, dude, they got some heavy duty fucking storylines on that show. So it's not, it's not a walk in the park when considering some of the storylines and he's definitely, I don't want to say he's method, but he's definitely somebody who does a lot of research. So, and he's not, it's not like the dude hasn't seen shit too. I mean, he's seen yeah, right? shit. So he's got a lot to call from when it comes to, for motivation in a scene or whatever, but it's funny. The, the moments that you're, that you think that, that you noted and, and I agree with you that aren't, that don't play necessarily well with Pookie and Scotty when they're doing the, the whole rehab thing, right? That tone that Scotty, that, 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 that vibe that he pulls off with Scotty in that is his character on SVU. He's very much that guy. He's the guy he wants to help people, but he recognizes that shit's fucked. And it's like, he's, it, it really is like Scotty all grown up. He's like the same cop, grown up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What was the, uh, uh, wasn't there a, uh, yeah, the Abel Ferrar movie with Drea Matteo, Ice T. Uh, what was that thing called? Oh. Do you remember that movie? I Because we were talking about Russell, I, I have China Girl in my head. Was it called uh, R, something Christmas? Fuck. Anyway, I, I just remember, because uh, that movie 
popped around right around the same time that he showed uh, that he started to show up on uh, SVU. You know, it was around the same time. I think he played like he was the I think he was the kidnapper in that movie, possibly. Yeah, dude. God, has man, Special Victims Unit has been on for twenty two seasons. Good wow. God. Yeah, man. Good for you know Totola, man. Who would have thought it would have lasted that long? That's right? awesome. Yeah. And, and I love all, all these guys. I mean, it's funny. Like, uh, what was, I was like, what was Judd Nelson doing at this time? And he had just come off of like, you know, uh, there was a point where I, I saw all those Judd Nelson movies, man, uh, from the hip, which I love <laughs> the, what were they? Relentless and Relentless 2. Right. <laughs> but I mean, it's funny, man, because like, I guess, you know, he was coming off of, you know, Breakfast Club, Santa Almost Fire, you know, being that guy, Blue City, all those sort of, you know, they, they were trying to, you know, there, there was a moment where Judd Nelson was like in everything, right? And then by the time they got to this, I guess he was the biggest, he would have been the biggest star in the cast. And then, but after the, his post New Jack City career, not a lot going on there. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. The name of the movie is Our Christmas. Our Christmas. There you go. Like our Christmas, I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, I, barely, I just remember it was a, you know, I remember it was on uh, cable all the time. I mean, this movie, it's funny because it was remembered better, better remembered. It's, 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 it's as much fun as I remember it being, but it's almost, this is like a time capsule movie, right? Like I right. felt like as soon as I started this movie, I felt like I was like, okay, I totally, I've been transported back because it's <laughs> such a vivid version of what was happening, yeah. you know, in New York at that time, right. um, you know, and what was, and I remember it because I remember my, my, I was 20, I think 21 when it came, I just turned 21, you know, the, the, the whole, it was like, it was part of a, a culture shift, right? Like it was, it was all happening in, you know, and this movie was happening in that moment. So yeah. it's funny to like go back and you, and you watch a movie that you didn't really, th- I mean, I never thought about it that way until, you know, last night or two nights ago when right. I watched it. Yeah. I also want to point out, um, Francis Kenny was the DP on this and that dude has done some shit. I mean, he did alpha dog, but he's his Heathers who we've talked about quite a bit on this show. Yeah. He does a lot of television. He's done a great deal of movies. And also there's one other thing I wanted to point out about the movie that was, I don't know what it is about it, but, or the person responsible for the score of this is somebody that's known to like, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to be doing some musical cues and everything like that. But for the most part, I'm going to be here to put these little bites in there while you put music all around me. Michelle Combier, he did the music in this, but the thing about him is he did things like knocking Jack City, but he did deep cover. Right. Right. <laughs> Which, and what we want to note that when we were going to do two movies this month, that was the other movie. So it'll come down the line. But like I was talking about having him having these little cues in between a soundtrack full of songs, like, like, you know, pop songs. He did, Major League Two, surprisingly. <laughs> but he did a lot of things in those lines. Money Pit, Purple Rain. Okay, now how much how much do you remember about Purple Rain that wasn't Prince music, right? But he, you know, he has score cues on that. Same thing with Against All Odds. Yeah, that was a nice 1984 for him. His stuff was worked really well. He actually passed away in 2004 at 65. But he did, he did, his work was pretty wild, man. He, like, he was all over the place with the stuff he did. He even did the program. And that was a, that was a God. Yeah. <laughs> that's, and that's a heavy duty movie, man. 
Yeah, the the movie as a whole, it's so there's so much to talk about that you forget little things. I don't say little things, but I mean, since we mentioned those those uh, well, cinematic- the thing we didn't mention, which we should have mentioned at the beginning, <laughs> the most iconic thing about this movie, I mean, is the fucking poster, man. Yeah, yeah, that poster. I saw that poster, you know, month, uh, months or a couple months before them. And dude, all, me and my friend, we literally couldn't wait for the fucking movie to come out. And it was uh, that poster, man. And that poster is pretty iconic. I'm looking at yep. it right now yep. and I'm like, that is a fucking great fucking movie poster, especially yep. from a studio. Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, in the 90s, <laughs> you, you were, you, it was a crapshoot. But that is a poster by the studio, which to me is, is good. I look at it now and it's the imagery is as good now as it was then. Like right. it, this is made me want to see the movie and looking at this fucking poster makes me want to watch it again. Right. 31 years later. I love how they used a legit studio shot with Wesley. And you know, the shot of the boys down below that, that was all just some candid shot when they're, when they're in the park, right? Like, you know, so yeah. some, like let's take a quick shot and then we can move on. Um, that's your still photographer yeah. shooting pictures. And that's the dirtiest and grimiest you see Mario in the whole movie. You know, he's just kind of like, Hey man, what, what you do to me? <laughs> right. I'm not, I'm too grimy. Uh, when you can, I mean, obviously he was a face to put on the cover uh, on the poster because he wasn't, uh, he, you know, he's a recognizable face, but did he need to be there? I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a nice balance, but yeah, I agree, man. That, that, I mean, in this, this one sheet, and made it has made its way to every incarnation of home video release, VHS, yeah. DVD, Blu-ray, yep, Laserdisc. I mean, it, they kept this all the way through, and that's not common. Sometimes that doesn't right. happen. Even Scarface, which has an iconic one sheet, has been modified over the years. Yeah, totally. And I was going to say it's funny because I bought the blue. I bought this Blu-ray last year when we. I think uh, there was a sale. <laughs> you probably want our Amazon. <laughs> Well, I, well, I, I got New Jack City, Juice, and I think Menace to Society, all of them for like, they, they were like 10 bucks a piece. Like, and if you bought like the bundle, it was like 28 bucks or some crazy shit like that. Because I had the, somewhere, somewhere I loaned it to somebody. I had the, uh, they did a really nice anniversary DVD. I want to say maybe for the 25th anniversary. So would yeah. have, that would have been like 2006 or something. But the DVD was loaded had all this great stuff on it and i loaned it to somebody and never got it back and then when i bought the blu-ray i was afraid that it wasn't because it didn't it doesn't say like but all that stuff is on the blu-ray if you if you know if you're if you were looking to pick it and it's like 10 bucks yeah it's it's funny because i had to rent it because i thought i had it i'm like going how the fuck do i not have this movie and i don't so i had to rent it and uh but i still ordered it um, but what's funny was it, it, it's arriving today, the Blu-ray on IC's birthday, by the way, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to say something that's very kickstarty and I'm going to, cause I just want to get this. What the fuck is been with Amazon the last month and a half? It's like, you know, it's like going, Oh, it's it shipped. You're going to get it tomorrow. And then it's three days later. I'm like, Oh, we lost your package. I can't tell you how many things they've quote unquote lost. I got three things delivered to me. They've already refunded me for because it was quote unquote lost and they still delivered it later. I'm like, why well, ain't saying shit to anybody? Yeah, about it. it's yeah, dude, it's some weird shit. I don't know what's going on with those guys. Oh, so look, uh, it's five ninety nine the Blu-ray. Right now it's five ninety nine at Amazon. <laughs> I'm like, I'm gonna call them. I want to return it then, fuckers. Because I because <laughs> I sixty sixty percent off five ninety nine right now. Oh, see, dude, it wasn't that. <laughs> oh, what the fuck. Cause it wasn't that earlier. 
when I got it, you dicks. Yep. There you go. So look, if you're looking to pick that thing up, five ninety nine. Why would it say multi-format if it's a if it even says Blu-ray single? Don't know. And yeah, by the way, it's, it's temporarily out of stock, but just ordered anyway. And when it ships, and when they get it, they'll ship it to you for five ninety nine. I I like I like that Amazon does that at least you know. But dude, yeah, six right. bucks, dude. You should have this in your library, even when it was fifteen dollars. That's 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 you know sticker. This movie rocks. Yeah, it's well worth having. I mean, it, you know, I mean, I, I, and I'm okay with. Uh, I mean, at, at some point. I'm sure that, you know, there's going to be like, you know, I, I'm shocked they didn't do a 30 year anniversary last year, but I guess maybe COVID all that got in the way or, or yeah. who knows. But anyway, this movie to me, it literally jump started like a whole wave of uh, filmmakers, right. you know, Mario, much like his father. I, I dig Mario's work always did. Uh, and I know that, you know, Sometimes people are like, "Whoa, Mario!" People, I, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I thought all of his movies, they all land for me. I mean, I, you know, I, I dig what he does, and um, this probably is his best film. Although, I, again, I'm very, like I said, I'm very fond of Posse and yeah. uh, and Panther. And Panther, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that I would if, if I was going to rate them. By far, this is the movie that everybody knows, that everybody's aware of. Right. Uh, you know, if you if you, even if you don't know, you've seen a Mario Van Peebles movie, you have because you've seen New Jack City. Or if you haven't, you should. Right. Quickly. Exactly. <laughs> what the hell, man? I mean, there's not much more we can say about. It. I mean, we we always talk about movies that go really fast, when ones that we really really love and like you know, this for instance, right. But I have to say that I want to add one more thing to this. When this movie, when, when Panther was in production and I was, this was very confusing because it is about the black Panther party. And there was a while there where Wesley Snipes was being talked about being in this movie as well. in, in Panther, then there was talk about the black Panther comic book coming to fruition with new line cinema. And I'm like, and I didn't, I wasn't that familiar with the comic books, but because I knew the movie Panther was about the Black Panther Party, I didn't know that the other Black Panther thing was a comic book. I wasn't aware of that. Because let's be honest, man, back then, they're not making comic book movies. <laughs> they're just, they're no. not. And then what ends up turning in, was turns from uh, Wesley going in to work, possibly make this Black Panther movie, not Panther <laughs> with, with Kadeem Hardison, but Black Panther, like Marvel adaptation turns into him working with new line and starting the blade series, which for a lot of people is some of the best comic book translations ever. I mean, the first, and, the first and second movie are iconic. Well, they're definitely the most, uh, you know, gritty and violent. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've all been neutered, uh, since then. I mean, I feel like, you know, now it's the, the term comic book violence is, is apt. It's, it, it's what all those marvels are. I feel like it's almost, it's getting to be like the A team, like there's an explosion, <laughs> people go flying, maybe they're dead. I don't know, but that's how, that's what Marvel is to me. Uh, but those blade movies, man, they certainly did not, you know, they were, they are, they earned their R's, both of them, the first, and I don't even mind the third one, honestly. I mean, I know it gets a lot of people hate on it, but I mean, you know, it's kind of fun if you just fucking go with it. I, I, there's, there's so much to love about it because I liked what they were doing when they're setting up the spinoff with Jessica Biel and, and Ryan Reynolds. I mean, this is the beginning where they're really trying to make Ryan Reynolds a star. In a lot of ways, I'm happy when it never came to fruition because where he's at, where you know, we got this thing now where he he's doing all the all the stuff that we knew he was going he was gonna do he would have done and he was already doing back when the the third blade was done, 
from this point, like you're talking about, to, to, to jump off from the, the launching pad for a lot of people, a lot of people in this movie, we talked about this briefly when we did Drop Zone, right? That stretch of time, because Drop Zone's right in the middle of this between this movie and when he gets the blade. Everything he did was like, was a draw. I mean, this like this movie really made him a star. And it wasn't just the first movie out of the gate after it like drew people in. He consistently brought people into the seats. And that just got even bigger for him with Blade. Again, for a lot of reasons, it, it's a launching pad for a lot of performers in the movie. But it was also uh, a, a launching pad for hip hop being more in the mainstream too. And, and the culture yeah. being more in the mainstream. Yeah, that's, that, yeah, I mean, it kicked it into, it kicked it into high gear. Yeah. You know? And then you fast forward to this week's Super Bowl and people are losing their fucking minds, not understanding what's going on. I'm like going, this is 30 years in the making, people. <laughs> this is Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> or more. Or more. Right, right. Anyway, that, I mean, we can, we can go we on can and continue. on. We can continue. Yeah, we could go on and on. But the, yeah. yeah, I think we've, you know, we've covered... You know, we said what we need to say about the movie. It's, you know, again, it's it's a movie that, like, if you're of a certain age, if you haven't seen it, you must have been, like, you know, you must have grown up on a, in a commune <laughs> or, uh, or I don't know, whatever. I mean, if you're of a certain age, I feel like you've seen this, you, you know this movie. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, you know, check it out. And, uh, you know, in, it's funny, man, because I feel like there's not a rap song that's recorded after this movie that doesn't mention Nino Brown somewhere on the album oh yeah right. right like it just be you know there's 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 lots of things if you're ever wondering where certain phrases and names and things came from check out new jack city if you haven't seen it yep. and all your questions will be answered for sure if you want to follow the show on twitter it's at karate pod same thing on instagram if you want to follow us on the letterbox Corey's at Corey underscore cult or if you want to support the show on patreon thank you patreon supporters uh, that's at patreon.com slash k-i-t-g podcast if you like to follow me, you could follow me at Rock and Roller 33 on Instagram, possibly, and at Tom Cody on Letterboxd. That's Tom Cody at Letterboxd.